When Mick G teams up with Luke Besson and Kevin Costner, what could possibly go wrong? We discuss Three Days to Kill. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Co-starring Stuart Wellington. And featuring Elliot Kalin. <laughs> I'm Jessica Williams. Yeah, that's right. We got a guest. In the Flophouse. <laughs> Can Jessica Williams survive the Flophouse experience? Why are you looking at me? I don't know. Look at Dan. He's the creepier yeah. one. Oh, Dan, are you going to do anything weird that we should know about? I don't about? think so. Okay. I mean, just oh my God. let me know. Please don't. Uh, we so have a guest star. Yeah, guys, listeners. And musical <laughs> guest for non <laughs> <laughs> Who you will not be hearing from. They're just in the corner. You're going to get bumped? Um, so, uh, <laughs> listeners may know uh, Miss Jessica Williams from The Daily Show. They may know her from Girls. They may know her from that soccer show she did. Can I tell them what they don't know me from? What what don't they know? I'm not the voice of Around the Horn or the Around the Horn intros. I just want to make sure everybody knows that. I don't know what that is. Oh, thank you for cleaning that up. That's probably not your demo, but it is this, I think it's a sports show on ESPN. Oh, I know that show. I always get, um, people always ask me if I do the voices for Around the Horn. I think Mm. I have a voice doppelganger. Mm-hmm. So I just want to clear up once and for all. You know what's weird is I actually it's just five guys. Oh no, <laughs> no, my nemesis! You sound just like me. It's terrible. <laughs> it's just a bunch of guys standing around a horn. Is what I understand. Like <laughs> and, there's a French horn in the in like every the middle now of the room. Nice. Makes a the move. classy horn. One of them yeah. makes a move to reach it to play for it, and then they just pull their hand back because you know, right? they're embarrassed. They got to be around the horn. Mm-hmm. They can't play the horn. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's not the rule. Mm-hmm. So, so, so we're a horn podcast. So welcome to the flop horn. <laughs> Here we talk about horns and the flops that created them. Thank you for telling me. Good night. Uh, wait, oh, oh shit, there she goes. Tonight's well, subject. Thanks for being Jack here. Horner. <laughs> Why was he sitting in that corner eating biscuits and whey? What was no, he eating? Eating, dude. No, eating his Curds something and, and jam. Eating his is what like his. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what. Eating his words. Okay. <laughs> Let's upset. talk about more things we don't know about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'm not a big guy on physics, but uh, it seems the things are made up of atoms, and Adam is a good name, so <laughs> I know a guy named Adam, so I guess there's lots of tiny hymns that make up all the yep. furniture. Oh, Adam Agoyan. Yeah, yeah, it's all you know. Canadian director Adam, Atom, <laughs> Armenian Canadian director Atom Agoyan. Makes up everything. You get two or more Atom Agoyans together, you get a molecule Agoyan. Yeah, or Exotica. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that was so cool. Much of nonsense. That's how we do it here, Jess. I love it. That's so, great. So, Dan, what do we actually do on this podcast? Uh, well, it's mostly a garbage podcast, <laughs> but we also we talk about the band garbage <laughs> stuff we've thrown out. <laughs> but we also no, I I do too. Version yeah. two point Come yeah, on. I don't know what that means. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, so we should we, we should all note that there? Jessica is at least ten years younger no, than all like of us. No, but like not me. She's like seven years younger than me. Yeah, right. I'm yeah. only seven years younger than him. But mm-hmm. also, like, I mean, you talking about garbage the band? I got that. 
I sure. can't into the garbage. I can't get into garbage the band specificity the way mm-hmm. you did. And instead sure. of like being like, uh huh, uh huh, I made a brave choice and was like, you and know what? I can't get in there that specifically. You didn't mm-hmm. want to seem like you were down with all the references and just play along. It would have been just very inauthentic. So yeah, yeah. if we had said garbage pail kids, she'd be like, I don't know. I don't know what that or is. Like New yeah, Jersey, what garbage plates? But where they Pokemon. put all your food oh, on boy. a big plate. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> number of Pokemon I assume. Something you eat was. after going out to the clubs. <laughs> yeah. Garbage plate okay so dan what are we doing this okay podcast? sorry uh to introduce the premise of this podcast unnecessary to say those words just tell <laughs> us what we do on the podcast what did we just do <laughs> we watch a bad movie that happens prior to the taping okay and then during the taping which is now we talk about it kind of like a review show well more of a discussion panel okay uh but really more of a comedy show with a bad movie focus so would you? Would, are we easy listening? Uh, we are adult contemporary. Okay. <laughs> Except for Jess, who is, uh, what would you define yourself as? Probably like a hip hop jazz kind of thing. Mm. Well, that yeah. file yeah. under hip hop jazz. jazz. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So is that Stewart's TV show Jazz, where he <laughs> solves crime as a detective named Jazz? And that's different than Stuart Wellington's Sex Describer, where I talk about people <laughs> having sex. Yeah, that's a different show. <laughs> that's on. That's on later. That's uh, what like eleven thirty. Mm-hmm. That's on. Yeah. What's late? That's I don't. I don't know that, anymore. That's on Showtime <laughs> at. Uh, 3.42. <laughs> it's a very specific time in the morning. Even if you showtime, it, d- it descrambles. <laughs> yeah. It scrambles, and it you have to keep itself. flipping back and forth to unscramble it. Yep. You have to run that show through the VCR, which sort of unscrambles <laughs> it a little bit, but not really. Uh-huh, and you have to squint your eyes like a magic eye painting. <laughs> and even then, half the time, you just get that video drum show. <laughs> yep. Anyway, the movie we watched tonight, though, was a movie called... I don't recall. It was called Three Days to Kill, Dan. <laughs> now, Three Days a, to Kill. That is a generic name for what is kind of a generic movie and kind of an incredibly weird, not generic movie. Now, Jess, we gave a lot of options, and you went for this one. Why? I don't know, actually. I'm kind of <laughs> bummed about the choice of name. <laughs> you put me in between like a rock, a hard place, and then a shit. It was about place. seven minutes in that you were like, we should have watched the road. I have my regrets. I think know, one of the right? places was a movie you already saw, too. Yeah. You said we should watch Pompeii, but you already saw that. I already saw Pompeii. I know you guys should watch Pompeii. Okay. Um, don't. So let's, let's pause the podcast. Let's, let's talk a little bit about Pompeii. <laughs> um, let's talk about Three Days to Kill. All right. Yeah. Elliot, talk about. Why don't you give us a let's bring Okay, up so Kevin speed. Costner's in this movie, and he's a I don't know a serial killer. No, yeah, he's Mr. <laughs> he's playing Mr. Brooks in this he's movie. Playing Mel Brooks again, uh, the two thousand year old serial killer. My parents love Mr. Brooks. <laughs> Sir, yeah. did you know Jesus Christ? Uh, yeah, I killed him. <laughs> That's the two thousand year old serial killer. <laughs> What about Napoleon, sir? Did you know Napoleon? Him I killed, too. (laughs) Yes, tell us a little about Abraham Lincoln. I wore his skin. (laughs) Kept him in a dungeon. It's a one-note premise. But Mel Brooks is just so good. Anyway, so three days to kill. Look, let's not underestimate Carl Reiner's uh, contributions. No, no, without without a straight man like that, Mel Brooks could never have come up with the different ways he killed all of those historical figures. Sure. So... Kevin Costner plays Ethan Renner, a CIA, a veteran CIA agent who his ba- basic job is just murdering people. Ethan Renner, combining the names 
Uh, Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible and Jeremy Renner, the actual actor who took over the Bourne trilogy. I prefer to think that it combines Ethan Frome by Edith Wharton, I believe, okay. with Runner Runner, the uh, Justin Timberlake movie. With a misspelled Rumor Willis. Yeah. Uh, so he is, a, he is a CIA hitman killer who in the beginning we see is trying to capture the albino, a man who works for an arms dealer called The Wolf. And uh, the albino is about to sell a dirty bomb in a suitcase to a bunch of terrorists in a hotel. Yes, Stuart? I was just going to say that Kevin Costner knows a thing or two about wolves. He's danced with He's them. He's danced with them. It would have been a great right. moment where I they said, we're, we're trying to try down the wolf. Get it? Because uh, I've danced with, with him before. Okay. Sure. And then uh, Graham Greene came out and talked to him for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The actor, not the author. The author would make no sense. <laughs> Kevin, I was wondering if we could discuss how Catholicism applies to uh, the spy novel. And be like, I'm, I'm on the middle of a mission right now. Because Kevin Costner has a super gravelly Batman voice in this. Yeah. That he's sick. Is it's very, he's sick. He thinks he has a cold, but it turns out he actually... After, so he thinks he has, he has a, a cold. cancer cold. <laughs> the mission goes horribly wrong. Everybody's killed except Kevin Costner and Amber Heard, who is in charge of the mission, and yet just watched it from a rooftop with binoculars and mm. did nothing the whole time. Mm. The albino gets away. There's that not terrible action sequence, and Kevin Costner discovers he doesn't have a cold. He has brain <clears throat> cancer, which has spread to his lungs, which I think means he's dead. But, Basically, uh, yeah. The doctor gives him three to five months to live, which, according to the movie, is three days. Okay. So, but despite the fact that he doesn't have a cold anymore, he doesn't give up his scarf affectation. Yes, he always wears a scarf, and uh, the scarves are of general different levels of jauntiness. Mm-hmm. Well, sort of. They're also all just very thin and, like, casually hanging on his neck. They don't necessarily serve a purpose. Every scarf is meant to attract someone's eye so he can go, oh, this old thing? Right. I just threw it what? on. Right. No. It just... was, they were, like, fashion choices that he was making. But the other way I justified it was, oh, he's sick. Maybe this is, like, a symptom of being sick. He needs to keep his jowls warm. Yeah. <laughs> he does. There are certain scenes where it is very clear that Kevin Costner has a lot of loose skin around That's his neck the, and cheek area. It makes him very difficult to choke. That's what his <laughs> it's onco- an ideal quality. His oncologist told him, they're like, oh, you got, the, you got brain cancer that spread to your lungs. The most important thing is keep your waddle warm. <laughs> That's what's going to... You're very... You're, very, you're going to be you're acting very, with some beautiful women. They do not want to see your waddle. You're very susceptible to waddle chills <laughs> in your current unhealthy state. So uh, he just he wants to spend the end of his life getting back in touch with his wife and daughter, who are estranged from him because he is this gravelly-voiced murderer. Murder monster. Murder monster who lives in an apartment. First, he goes to an apartment and finds that it's uh, there's a bunch of squatters from, what, Senegal? some Somewhere in Africa, but I couldn't, I don't remember the exact country. But due to French law, he can't kick them out. Yeah. And, and so they were very endearing and very warm. And, like, yeah. the first, they were the first likable people in the entire I mean, film. This basically, you think it's going to take on the plot of The Visitor, that he comes home and there's a guy living in his apartment and he learns from this guy how to live again. Yeah. But really, they're just there every now and then when he returns to his apartment to get stuff. And that's and not too not far. Off. Yeah, and that's not too far of a stretch considering that Luke Besson, who wrote this movie, made The Professional, which is kind of like that. Of a hitman learning, yes. like to relearn about life and humans. I thought by you meant it was like the visitor, girl. and that it ended with Jean Renault just playing a drum <laughs> somewhere mm-hmm. in order to get out his anger at the U.S. immigration system. <laughs> sure, but it did make us feel like I mean, it gave the false sense of the mo- at the beginning of the movie, like oh, maybe this movie is going to go someplace new and interesting. Like I did not expect. Kevin Costner to come back and find this family of Senegalese uh, squatters. Possibly Senegalese, I don't remember. Exactly. In the uh, in in my home, you know, uh, 
and like it gave a, a warmth and spirit that the movie then let down. Totally dissipated. Yeah. And so here's the problem with this movie. <laughs> Half the movie is an action-adventure spy film. Mm-hmm. Half the movie is a guy who works too hard and is trying to reconnect with his family. It's like a bad dad soccer dad. He's a bad dad. He's a spy dad bad dad. <laughs> <laughs> he's like if Gerard Butler was a spy. Or it, Nicolas Cage was a uh, CIA agent. Stolen? Bad, it's like if in The Weatherman, Nicolas Cage was not a weatherman, but a CIA agent. <laughs> it's like if in Mr. Destiny, uh, instead of wishing on a thing, yeah. he had a bad relationship with his kid, and he's a spy. <laughs> it's like if Destiny turned on the radio, and, and when the, he turned on the radio, Cats in the Cradle was playing. <laughs> <laughs> that's what this movie's like. That, uh, so that like, reminds me that in our last movie we watched was Last Vegas, and that Morgan Freeman's ringtone when his son called was Cats in the Cradle, <laughs> which is like... Why would you program that? It's like you're just saying through your ringtone, I am a bad father. <laughs> How does that song go? And the cats, cats in, in the cradle, cradle and the silver spoon. It's all about a dad little who little never has time for his son. You yeah, might remember like the Ugly the Kid nose. Joe cover of it that, that yeah. was huge. Yeah. I, I hate everything about I don't know when you guys were like six or something, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> So You're a little younger. You might remember the baby Einstein cats in the cradle. Oh, my God. I was just listening to that on the subway on the way here. You know why? Because goo goo fucking gaga. I'm a baby. That is the edgiest baby. Goo goo fucking gaga. Gaga, bro. I'm a baby. Wham, the baby wham, takes bullshit. a long drag of a cigarette. It's a pacifier with a cigarette in it. Uh, So, anyway, the point is... He's got these immigrants living in his apartment. Mm. Uh, in a way, he's an immigrant, too. He's living in Paris. Uh, and the whole movie is set in Paris, aside from the opening. But anyway, so... It's from Paris with love. To anyone who's familiar no, with uh, with Chris Elliott's comedy special from the 80s, Action Family, where the joke was, whenever the character is outdoors, he it's a hard-boiled cop show. Whenever he's indoors, it's a family sitcom. This movie is basically that. But we're supposed to take it seriously for the most part, but there's still, like, goofy Luc Besson-type jokes and characters, because Luke Besson wrote and produced this, Mick G directed it. Mick G, famously of the Christian Bale trying to get his attention because a lighting guy was walking past him. <laughs> uh, the, but so, this movie, to make a long story short, Kevin Costner will occasionally go looking, he gets hired for one last spy mission by Amber Heard, playing the low-rent poor man's version of Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow. And they're both like CIA agents, that's the thing, like, it's not like just like the I don't like. It's not like she recruits him. Like he was like well, a CIA he's agent who got sick. She's trying to pull him back in out of retirement. Yeah, and uh, she does a lot of showing up in sexy outfits in very dimly lit locales and mm-hmm. talking to him and then making giving him syringes of this magic cancer medicine. Yeah, yeah including strip clubs that may save him, but only if he ca- catches and kills the wolf <laughs> and the albino, the Bless ones you. that got away. And, and were those the ones giving him halluc- hallucinations? Yes, and the drugs give him hallucinations, which take the form of him. If he gets dizzy. too excited, if, he get, if his heart rate gets up, it's the yeah. anti-crank. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. It's like, like crank three, no cranking, please. <laughs> and it had no keep the cranking to a minimum. Crank three, yank my crank, <laughs> <laughs> yank my crank up. <laughs> yeah. You guys remember that song? No, not yeah. that. Is that, is that too young for you? <laughs> I think some kids were blasting that, and uh, I told them to turn it down. I'm sleeping. He said, turn it down. I can't hear my Benny Goodman record. That's great. Classic. Now, that was music. 
<laughs> but this is one of the many scenarios in which like this movie could have been a lot more fun than it is. Mm. Like because it, I was gonna say just what you're saying. Like it's like it's like a crank scenario where like oh I gotta you put mean this, a Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I put this medicine in a Frank but, scenario. But <laughs> he's a guy who runs a tire shop. <laughs> I, I gotta put this medicine in to keep myself going. But I'm gonna hallucinate unless I drink a bunch of vodka. Yes. So it could have been like a cross between crank and drunken master, but it yeah. was like not that. Instead, it's a cross great, between garbage and a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and well, here's the thing: this could have been. There's a lot of concepts in here that could make for a fun movie. Like a family man spy is a fun idea. He there's one guy who works for the the albino who he becomes kind of friendly with, even though he keeps torturing him to get information out of him. Like. And he asks him for dad advice because this guy has two daughters. They like we really like. He has him. to use yeah. He yeah. has to use his spy contacts to help his daughter get through like everyday teen stuff, which is a funny idea. And Dan made a good point that like Gross Point Blank is a movie that handles this type of thing much better and is a really fun movie. Mm-hmm. And this does it very poorly. Yeah, it's a question of tone. I feel like if you're gonna do make this kind of movie where it's just like oh we're gonna combine ultra violence with like low key like everyday character comedy but you got to really hit that and keep it consistent and this movie like the tones veered wildly from scene to scene yeah like none none uh more so than when like amber heard is on screen and as you say it's like scarlett johansson as as the black widow and then like Haley steinfeld as the daughters on screen and all of a sudden we're watching like i don't know one tree hill or something (laughs) it's like a cross between one tree hill and like danger diabolique (laughs) just like this like italian spy popcorn comic book movie and then yeah like a like a family drama you know pieces of april or something (laughs) and i like and for some reason, it wouldn't bother me if it was even more extreme, but it's just so kind of yeah, bland. Yeah, they don't, the choices they make, it's like they want to, they veer wildly in tone while also being kind of safe in all the choices, and... Even though it feels yeah. like every time he has a drug freak out, it's, Mick G gets super excited that right. he can use his, like, blurry lens or <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah, and his, like, pound, his pulse lens. Here's the other thing about this. Every single moment the movie is punctuated with a bass drop, and it sounds like somebody was watching the Inception trailer on a laptop, just following the camera around the entire movie. Uh, but anyway, but I will say there's a bunch of good, uh, fairly well done action sequences in it. There's a fist fight in a bakery between Kevin Costner and a, a and a hitman that I like. Some mm-hmm. baguette salesman. It's one of those things. Mostly because like, you just like to see French bakeries. You're like, mmm, that looks. It looked good. delicious. <laughs> you were like, salivating during this. I, I, I'm a big fan of. <laughs> that was the Popeye's chicken he had consumed. <laughs> made I salivatory just, glands working uh, overdrive. I had just finished eating it, and then I remembered that I had Popeyes, and it made me hungry for Popeyes again. I started drooling all over everything. Because when really you saw weird. the hitman's hand get mushed into a working panini press and the sizzle sound made you hungry. Yeah. But I'm a big fan of action scenes in a location where they use a lot of objects from the location in the fighting. Like, if you have a setting for an action scene that has things in it, like I want to see those things used, Mm -hmm. and they do... A fair amount of that. There's a car chase scene that's not so bad. Jessica, I keep cutting you off. I apologize. No, I'm just going to say, I, I totally get what you're saying. Jackie Chan is actually really good at doing yeah. that, oh, no, no matter he's, what he's the plot the is. Like, 
he he will always grab like a, <laughs> he'll grab like a laptop and just make that face that Jackie makes and be like, ooh, but it's like you would so think delightful. the bad guys would clear all items from the room. <laughs> yeah. We are only Anytime. fighting him in padded rooms yeah. or sensory deprivation <laughs> chambers. Bringing him into this clean room, this like decontamination Andromeda strain room. To but fight little him. did you know, it was a holodeck all along. No. Huh? Oh, so things started so hearing. Yeah, you could you could probably imagine shit, right? Like, yeah, because yeah. he's got a Green Lantern ring oh. that he just turns into like ladders that he can swing around. <laughs> or like plates that he can catch before they break. Yeah, a bunch of Ming vases that are falling from the ceiling. What, because he's Chinese, they gotta be Ming vases? Oh, they gotta. Oh, shit. So they're expensive? Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so the point is, he's got trouble on his hands from his daughter and from the spies. Mm. And... And his uh, wife. And his wife. Well, his wife's out of town for a lot of it. But she but gives him the big old tomatoes, I feel like. She's the big like, old tomato. She, gives him, <laughs> she throws the big tomatoes at him, which I really loved. <laughs> Somebody had to do it. No, but she, she was the one that, her only job for the movie was to keep walking in and be like, now look, if you mess this up, <laughs> yeah. gone forever. That's true. These are the stakes. It Goodbye. Was, and the thing is, and then like, she left. And, yeah, then, yeah. and then he taught his daughter to ride a bike and then sit and like saved her from almost getting raped in a club. Bathroom. So crazy! It was a weird. And then scene. a bodyguard carried her out of there, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah but dope. they didn't play the bodyguard song on the soundtrack, which was a mistake. <laughs> they don't have the rights to that. The one and the, that sequence where he had, his daughter said, "I'm going to be at a friend's house," but she went out to party, and so he's going to find her. So he's using his spy techniques to track her down, <laughs> and like that could have been a really fun sequence, but it was kind of lazy. It's one of these things where instead of using like strategy to get around people, he just shoots people in the foot or punches them a lot. And you're wondering, like, how is this guy just punching and shooting his way through Paris? Nobody seems to care or notice. He also, like, with his live-in family, walked around with a gun a lot. Like, he had guns out, and there were, like, children in the family. <laughs> but he had no problem just, like, pointing it. Like, yeah, just wave around. Like, yeah. We get it. We're thankful that you let us live here. But can you take it easy with the guns? <laughs> it's sending a strange message. See, and the, the family living with him uh, pays off when the daughter of the in the family, gives birth to her baby in front of Kevin Costner. And of course they hand the baby to him because as the white guy whose life is at a crossroads, he's the one that the resources need to be put towards. That that baby, don't let it suckle at its mom's seat too long because Kevin Costner's got to learn a thing or two about family. They were like, we will give you to the white man. (laughs) You can be more trusted with this than us. He looks like he needs his faith in life restored. What 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 do we have that has a, a lot of life force in what it? What about oh. your baby? <laughs> Newborn babe. Oh, but your yep. baby, you just gave birth to it. Oh, do you take, you take. <laughs> it's your baby now. You need it more than I do. I already have a daughter and I don't know how to take care of her. Uh, right? uh, your baby, gotta go. Yeah, no, that shit made me mad of just like them having a live birth in the apartment. <laughs> yeah. That's that was I was telling you my you worst nightmare. Yeah. It's my worst uh, nightmare. French healthcare is terrible. <laughs> yeah, here it's the worst. So Jessica, I mean, your worst nightmare is to give birth in front of Kevin Costner? Yeah, well the the idea of giving birth already just gives me anxiety. Oh, it's but a horrifying experience. My worst nightmare is to like give birth in front of my whole family in like an apartment and then Kevin Costner walks in I mean, and, dra- and then like holds my baby for like a long time. tears the baby from your hands. I, That's this my is nightmare. mine now. Snuggles it to his waddle. <laughs> I do have to wonder. <laughs> which it can this somehow, stays here now. Which some, <laughs> he's just storing stolen babies <laughs> in his waddle. He swaddles the baby <laughs> with his <laughs> Did your neck just cry? No. <laughs> just Give me the Dairy Queen Blizzard that I ordered. <laughs> I do. I, I do. 
I do have to wonder what imaginary... I said Reese's Pieces. These are M&M's. Use your eyes. Take it back. They taste almost the same. I can tell the difference. No, you can't. There's no way you can. Yes, I can. Sir, I'm going to have to and ask you, you and your, baby, your neck baby to leave. I don't have a neck baby. I, do I, I have to call my manager? I can see it. It's a hands reaching out from under your neck waddle. Sir, everybody knows you have a neck baby. <laughs> Everybody knows. I paid my two fifty nine. Give me my ice cream. My medium blizzard. Got <laughs> a medium. I want to stay healthy, so I didn't get a large. But a small a small's is not, too small. Still a treat. <laughs> it's not going to satisfy me. Maybe like six. Come on. It's still a treat. It's not a meal. I need. It's about eating sensible portions. I'm going to give a couple spoonfuls to my neck. Ba- I mean, my neck. I heard it. I heard it, sir. Okay, one. Yeah, you're clearly feeding your baby in your neck, and two, that baby is not old enough to eat ice cream. It likes it. It likes it. It cannot handle dairy proteins at that age. It's well, then, Similac. <laughs> make it, you make it with Similac instead of milk? I don't think we have it's, the It's to too do. late, sir. I gotta go change my next diaper. I'll be right back. Do you have, do you have a creamed spinach <laughs> blizzard? <laughs> yes, sir. It's our, our worst-selling blizzard. <laughs> Alongside our uh, our chopped salmon blizzard. Of course, there's our, there's our mashed pork blizzard. <laughs> we have, Did I we have a chicken blizzard. We have our schmaltz blizzard. That's very... Our wiener blizzard. I'm starting to... This, this is Dairy Queen, right? It's just disgusting, Queen. <laughs> We're in a spinoff of Dairy Queen that sells gross things. So we... So would you like that pre-digested civet poop coffee bean blizzard or no? <laughs> that stuff's so expensive. That'd be the most expensive blizzard. It costs $100 for what? The medium? That's for the small, sir. It's 135 for the medium. Oh, it's still a pretty good deal then. It's so it's more civet poop. It's 150 for the large. And I get more than 50% more ice cream, right? I can't afford not to get the large. Okay. <laughs> The baby in my neck is going to love this. It's kinda Sir, like, a baby in your neck, see? And that's when he gets thrown in? Yeah, it's kind of like he has a waddle quaddo. <laughs> little quaddo that lives his waddle. Because quaddo was a baby is what we're saying. <laughs> he didn't look like a grown man, did he? So wait, he was born after the, the original guy was Clearly born? Clearly that guy was giving birth through C-section. The baby got stuck, and he just grew up and that became was, a quaddo. That is the worst superhero origin story I've ever heard. The Adventures of Super Stuck Baby? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's also though like not that far off from Athena, maybe, right? Yeah, I mean she sprang fully formed from the brow of Zeus, yeah. Mm-hmm. If she got stuck, she'd just be a head quado. <laughs> <laughs> Quade, the people need air. Also I'm the goddess and knowledge. of knowledge. Knowledge and victory in and my form of case. <laughs> also, go to Athens, my this was the city I'm the patron god of. So, uh, what else happens? So anyway, so it all comes to a head. Let's just skip straight through it. It all comes to a head at prom night, where it turns out that Kevin Costner's daughter's boyfriend's husband's business partner (laughs) is the wolf, and he's, for some reason, going to prom with them. (laughs) That's what business partners do, dude. (laughs) So not only in in France do the parents go to prom as well as the kids, but their parents' business partners are also invited. And this French prom is... Jumping. Ballin. Yeah, it is a club. That's what kids say, right? Jumping and balling? Yeah. As a youngish person, um, I guess, yeah, we still say that. You'll it sounds it. different when you do it. I'll allow it. So how sure. would you say it? Uh, it was just, it was like, just... Was it live? Turned up. It was turned up is what the turned phrase is. Up. 
Yeah, turns wow. with a T. Turns with a T. Turned top? Turned up. Like, oh, turned turned up. I was a turn top, like Carrot Top's brother, Turn Top. <laughs> I mean, that's not that crazy where we would, like, I mean, is it that crazy? No, that's you know? not that weird. It's not that weird. But it was very turned up. There was, like, probably drugs being used. Almost certainly. There was a special makeout room yeah. that the daughter went to with her boyfriend and. And they made out. Of, I assume they kind of disappeared from the movie after their big shootout started. Yeah. So they're probably they still having it. sex in that room, you know. I mean, it's prom night. He seemed like a nice guy. He did. Seem he like scores a very nice goals. Yeah. In his soccer games. It's not his fault. He's loosely related to that wolf guy, yeah. sort of. Or loosely based on a historical figure. <laughs> yeah. Stephen Douglas, former senator. <laughs> sure. All right. If he was a French, a nervous French teen. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so there's a. So big, a giant shootout begins. In a, this the prom. wife said, notices Kevin Costner is tracking the wolf with his eyes, and she says, "You're still working, aren't you?" And now this is after he hasn't revealed to his daughter what he does for a living. She thinks he might have another family that's a secret. She does, he doesn't love her, but he teaches her how to ride a bike and how to dance, and they patch it up. And there's a big shootout at the uh, at the da- at the prom, and it ends with. I forgot there was that whole car chase earlier where the albino. This Gets this is thrown, okay. Yeah, Let's take a flashback. The albino, who's the main henchman, and <clears throat> frankly, who's bald he, by the way, he, he looks like a snake man. Frankly, if he wasn't bald, he could just pass for a normal guy. He's yeah. not that right. albino. Yeah. But his big thing, the way he likes to kill people, is by putting putting them in front of things that are moving so their heads get chopped off. <laughs> it's very elaborate <laughs> and very specific. And they have to be kind of slow moving things. So in the first scene, he kills an American agent dressed as a disguised as a hotel maid <laughs> by sliding her into an elevator shaft and just letting an elevator hit her off. That's right, the old gangster squad elevator <laughs> attack. Only whereas James Brolin, or Josh Brolin, not James Brolin, Josh Brolin. That would have been great if it was James Brolin. <laughs> yeah, oh, boy. He rightfully <laughs> just used that to cut a guy's hand off. This was to cut a woman's head off. And so he wants to do the same thing with Kevin Costner with a metro, a Paris Metro train. Uh, and Kevin Costner is hallucinating. He's tripping balls on this cancer medicine. <laughs> and so, But he gets his mojo back and instead throws the albino in front of the train. So anyway. How ironic. The very train yeah. he was going to kill the albino with. <laughs> it's like rain on the albino's wedding day. Yeah. A free ride when the albino already paid. It was the train he was going to marry someday. <laughs> yeah. Do you think he has the nickname the albino as a double blind so that it... People are looking for an actual albino. They don't think he's the albino. They should have called him the tan man. Yeah. And then or no one would... And also bald the bald guy? man. He's a man with no hair. Or maybe a light I mean, alopecia. Maybe his eyebrows, right? Or like Frank. Maybe or not. like Ronnie. Like a name that it doesn't call attention to I just feel like itself. in crime movies, like people should just get rid of all albinos. Because there's never a good albino in a crime movie. They're always movie. evil and no, they get killed. There was powder. a good one. There's powder. Yeah. That was a crime movie. <laughs> yeah. It was a crime that that movie didn't get a bigger box office. <laughs> and also the director was a pedophile. So that was a crime too. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there a really great albino villain in the Matrix? Yeah, there's those One two the brothers with the dreadlocks mm-hmm. that yeah. were werewolves somehow. Yeah, they, they, they were vampires. Truck stuff. Oh, they were vampires. There was that albino right? in that uh, Farrelly Brothers movie that turned out to be a good guy. What was that? Was that uh, was that something about Mary? Was that me, myself, and Irene? Something about me, remember. myself, and Mary and Irene. Yeah, yeah. It was something about Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice and me, <laughs> myself, and Irene. Yeah. And let's talk about Kevin. <laughs> we need let's to talk, talk about, about Kevin. Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice and Kevin. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> now, so uh, the point is, there's a big shootout. Kevin Costner again has a drug attack where he's hallucinating, and you get the. Why do they rely on this guy? That's the, and that's, that's the, the big weird question. thing. Like, why is that's the big question? He's all tripping balls on the juice. He's Amber Heard seems to be very good at killing people on her own. So why does she need a sick guy? You need this fucking sick. 
like three days away from dying guy. I like to think she's not that great at killing people, and she's because the only people she kills are either like lying on the ground or tied up to a chair. Yeah, that's true. But uh, it's like we had. It's never established in the movie what makes him so amazing (laughs) that only he can pull this job off. You're the best at what you do. And what you do is coughing a lot before you almost accidentally kill the guy you're trying to kill. <laughs> yeah. What I do isn't pretty because of the neck waddles. <laughs> yeah. But the scarf covers it up, right? Yeah. You mean that... Mostly. T- that, like, tissue-thin scarf loosely draped around your neck? Yeah. yeah but you can't see anything, right? <laughs> I, I can see everything through it. <laughs> It is. Why did Why did you order the sheerest scarf imaginable? She could have just draped saran wrap. It was, it was on Prime. It was Amazon Prime. I had to do it. I bought it too, so I could get to the free shipping level. It's more like a cloth necklace. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a toilet paper necklace. So, uh, th- so there's a big shootout that ends in the riveting scene of a wounded the wolf and a wounded Kevin Costner. Just kind of gasping and trying to crawl towards a gun on the ground. Very suspenseful in that we don't care what's going to happen. As I said to you guys at the time, uh, we're watching a uh, a character we have no sympathy for whatsoever and the villain. Boom! Yeah. Boom! Yeah. Roasted. Boom. Salad. Misdirect. Take that, Ethan Renner. <laughs> and so so luckily, okay at the, the last end. minute, Amber Heard shows up and shoots the skeleton-faced bad guy. Yeah. And then I guess that's proving yet again that she could have done it from the beginning. If only he was really skeleton faced, and I don't mean like the red skull. I mean like his face is a little skeleton, (laughs) (laughs) like a full skeleton skull, but like like on his neck there's a full skeleton. Yes, there's like the feet start at his neck (laughs) and and go all the way up to his skull, but it's little, and he talks with and the ribs move when he talks. Oh, that's kind of like the kind of like in the in the uh, sledgehammer video when Peter Gabriel's face is made out of fruit. There was a bad yeah. guy in a uh, Warhammer Fantasy role play uh, role playing game that whose head was a little guy who jumped off and ran around. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the body when the head was running around? Yeah, it was pretty exciting. You had to you had to kill the little guy first. But what happened to the body? Uh, I think it died if the little guy died. Oh, okay, I'll have, to, I'll have to go check my source books. Like, but when he was running around, he just like took a. He just sat. I mean, he kind of sat around. Or... I think the little guy killed guys, and it was supposed to be like a murder mystery right. or something. You're not telling us what happens with the body, <laughs> yeah. and the little guy. Jumps I think he out. just chilled out. The he was jacking it or what? I mean, I guess he's jacking out now. <laughs> Why would he be doing that? Sorry, my That's default great... setting for my body is masturbate. <laughs> I'm not Vin Diesel. I don't know everything about role playing games. <laughs> good point. Good point. Uh, um, so you're not Vind Easel, <laughs> the artist. Uh, so Kevin Costner, the day is saved. Well, the wolf has been killed, danced with, if you will, a dance of death. A uh, what would you call that? Like a toad tonson? Yeah, toad tonson works. But uh, so then they retire to a house on the beach, and Kevin Costner is just dedicating himself to getting back in touch with his daughter again, mm-hmm. again, giving her advice on how to skip rocks. Yeah, and how to go to school, I guess. She's not going to school. She's just hanging out. I guess prom happened. The year's over. It's just, it's the summer, yeah. and uh, she's going to rock skipping camp. And uh, and Amber Heard drives up, and she sent him a package, and it's another vial of the serum. So I guess he's cured now. I have a question. Yeah, is that was that the last serum he needed to live? I assume so, or else it's a cruel joke. Right, like she's just gonna. Keep... Well, maybe she's just stringing him along. Mm. She likes got... to watch the puppet dance. I've got another job for you. Mm-hmm. Four days to kill. <clears throat> Um, so, all right, let's... That's better than 32 days to kill. Let's move on to... Because you had two to live. Sure. <laughs> Wait, three... 30, 3.1 days to kill? Yeah. 
2.0. Oh. So let's go to Final Judgments. Uh, final Judgments, where we decide whether this is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked. Elliot, what do you have to say? Was this, well, where, where do you fall down on this? I think it was... You know what? I'm going to be generous to it, because there were things that I liked about it, but I didn't like the movie enough to call it a movie I kind of liked. So I'm going to say good, bad, in that... You're not gonna, it's not exciting or interesting, but again, I'm going to give it my coveted. If it's Saturday afternoon, you're sick, and there's nothing else on TV, go ahead and watch Three, Day, Three Days to Kill. All right. If you're uh, tired of having every other movie that ever existed at your fingertips, watch Three Days to Kill. Jess, I know you're new to our, what are the grades? Yeah. our, our scheme. It's good, bad, uh, a movie that is so bad it's good. And they're spookily scarifying. There's... Bad Bad, a movie that has no value in entertainment terms, or a movie you kind of liked, which I think uh, is self-explanatory. Uh, and what did you do, Good Bad? No, I said Good Bad, yeah, which was being generous. Which is super It was, dude, because I'm going to Bad Bad. I was like, not having a good time. <clears throat> you guys were fine, but you guys weren't enough to carry the movie. Thanks. Wow. wow. Is, is that our That's job real. now? Well, I, I mean, don't know. I mean, you said I would come and hang out, do the It flop. was a long walk over to Dan's house. It took a lot out of me. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, honestly, I think it was just bad, bad. Like, it is a bad I, I do like the person who co-wrote it, but it was like not... Luc Besson. Luc Besson. I do love him. Luc Bassoon. Luc, Luc Bassoons. <laughs> Look at my bassoons. I love him a lot. Um, no, it was just... It was like bad, bad. I wouldn't even recommend you watch this on a sick day. Just watch like something tighter than that. So. I mean, you made a good point or when we were watching it, Ellie, is that Luc Besson seems to be focused so much on producing and writing things when... He seems to have a better grasp of the stuff that he's writing when he mm. directs it. Like, mm. yeah, if he directed this movie, mm-hmm. he wouldn't. Have, I feel like he would have been able to work out the problems in the script while he's making it, and he'd be able to carry that tone a lot better than McGee. Mm-hmm. Capture the like silly and serious, which seems to per, like permeate. Yeah, McGee, who I'm just going to reveal it is former presidential candidate George McGovern. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he's been directing movies under the name McGee for a uh, long time. Uh. Ever since he lost the seventy-two election, I didn't know that. Oh, did yeah, he? Yeah. Did he direct Torque? All right. Is Torque a McGee? Uh, I'm just going to quickly say uh, <laughs> Dan, I agree. Answer the man's question. <laughs> it's a bad, bad. Torque a McGee. <laughs> it's a bad, bad movie. Uh, <laughs> That's something that, like, you, if you said that to an old person, they would be like, "Was Torque a McGee?" <laughs> they'd, be, they'd think they were having like a like a, 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 a stroke. <laughs> uh, uh, I just it, like I I'm tempted to like it just because. It goes off in 50 different directions, and that's kind of crazy, but uh, ultimately I was too bored. Stu, what do you have to say? Yeah, I'm going to back you up. I think it's bad, bad. I feel like it. Uh, it's a movie that tries to do a twist on the like the secret Asian genre or whatever. Asian, Asian genre? <laughs> the secret Asian drama, which I guess is like... Which is a ninja. That's basically yeah. what it is. It's a ninja <laughs> drama. It's the, it, oh, I thought it was an Asian It's actor. the Asian version of the human stain. It's yeah. the secret Asian. <laughs> <laughs> so Anthony Hopkins plays this character yep. too? But the uh, just they take all these... Uh, and they they try they take all these different uh, spins or twists on the premise, but they've all been done before, and mm-hmm. it just doesn't like work. a spin city, if you will. It is like, and the city is Paris, France. In the original yeah. spin city, yeah, Paris, because that Eiffel Tower is always spinning. Okay, well, before uh, we move on, <laughs> is that true? Nope. <laughs> before we move on to letters, just a quick word from our sponsor. I just want to note that this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Thanks. The all-in-one platform, making it fast and easy to create your own professional website, 
portfolio and or online store for a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter offer code FLOPHOUSE at checkout. Now look, we all like the internet. I love it. Why don't, like, why don't you want to be a part of that, man? Why don't you get off the couch and get on the field of the internet? I thought you were going to say get on the web. Get on the web. Which you can do from the couch. Yeah. Just uh, just uh, dial up your Squarespace and get your own website. Look, let's face it. We are losing the battle of pornography with the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The internet, pornography gains more territory every day. So you need to start a website for yourself that is not pornography. Or, or, or start a web- or start <laughs> pornography website. You know, Whatever. who's to judge? Who's to judge? Yeah. Go to Squarespace. Whatever you're into. Start your pornography website. And then go for it. Neckwaddles.com. <laughs> With all those Kevin Costner paparazzi shots when he wasn't wearing underwear on his neck. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Star- Kevin Squarespace. Costner stuffing a baby in his neck. <laughs> Squarespace makes it simple and easy. With beautiful designs, drag and drop content, and 24-7 uh, tech support through live chat and email. You can uh, start your website at a mere $8 per month, which includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. And it's got responsive design, so you can uh, have a website that looks great on a phone or a tablet. The only excuse you have for not taking advantage of this offer and starting a website is if you are Amish. And you are overhearing this through the open window of a car that is driving by your buggy Mm. on the street. If you can hear it at all, because the person driving that car is cracking up at all the hilarious jokes we're making. If you can hear over their laughter, and you're saying, "Mm, that's a sinful amount of laughter, (laughs) but I'm intrigued. The next Rum Spring, I only get one, but the next Rum Spring, I'll listen to this Flap House. Don't look up the Flap House. That's not the name. You misheard it. It's Flop House. Okay, Jedediah. Silly Amish guy. (laughs) Tricks are for kids. <laughs> but anyway, why not start a trial with no credit card You wouldn't required. get that required. <laughs> no, it's a commercial on television. Oh, forget it, Amish guy. Start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code FLOPHOUSE to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the FLOPHOUSE. Thank you, Squarespace, for supporting us. And uh, please, check them out online at... Squarespace.com. Not Squarespace.com, which is nonsense. (laughs) We'll take you to a 404 forbidden screen, or perhaps it'll be one of those screens where it's like, this URL is available. Do you want to rent it? Don't. Go to Squarespace.com, get a URL through them. Or some some, like canny canny web developer has set up a porn site already under Squarespace. Yeah, Yeah, there's a a domain owner that owns Squarespace that is telling his wife, see, it was worth the purchase. (laughs) Squarespace, your your place for the squarest places, or it's your place for squares. So Dan, um, what's this next segment? The next segment is letters from <laughs> listeners. Uh, this first letter. Listen out. Oh God. What do you hear? It's a letter calling to you. A letter from you that is calling to you, saying, "Mail me, mail me to the flop house." They can't read it if you don't mail me, so mail me right now. What are you waiting for? I know it's 2.30 a.m. Break into the post office, put a stamp on me, and put me in a bag. Then steal that guy's uniform, kill him if you have to. (laughs) Deliver me directly to the house. If you don't know the address, look it up in a directory. You didn't say your address, though. That's pretty good. And the address no, is... No, don't do that. Dan McCoy, <laughs> care oh. of the Flop House, 129 Flop House Street, Flop USA. 
Earth. <laughs> All right. Wait, what? That's the zip code? So yeah, that's, ending. yeah. So, anyway. I'm waiting. Not, I'm a letter no, that's no, waiting no, no, in no, the no, mail no. slot. When will they read me? Will they read me now? Or will they read me next? Will they read me last? Won't they read me at all? It's time for them to read me what's taking so long. (laughs) Elliot, stop the song. It's time to read me along at the Flophouse with letters from the Flophouse for the Flophouse to the Flophouse of the Flophouse by the Flophouse shall not perish from the earth. (laughs) So this first letter is from Caroline last name withheld. That was like this. I'm a longtime fan who's never written until now, and it's only because I rarely miss an opportunity to be pedantic about classics. During the Star Wars episode, Elliot said he believed it was the Roman lawyer and politician Cicero who overcame a stutter by training himself to speak clearly with pebbles in his mouth. He didn't say, I dare you to contradict me, classics nerds, but I must gently correct the usually infallible Mr. Kalen. This is an anecdote about the Greek orator... Demosthenes, oh, whose speech impediment is usually described as a stutter, but actually had the symptoms of cluttering, like Winston Churchill, and or rotasticism, like so Jonathan Ross. So he was a hoarder? Cluttering? Yeah. Uh, no one with a speech impediment should actually try this technique, because even though small objects didn't come with choking hazard laser labels and Demosthenes... <laughs> they didn't come with choking hazard lasers, <laughs> which I guess is a laser you yeah, point at someone's some, throat if they're choking to burn it open put so the thing can fall out. marbles in my name, in my mouth. No, put marbles in your name. Dan Marbles McCoy. <laughs> Actually, that sounds like amazing. It. He sounds like a, uh, like a 20s villain. Yeah, he said, you're a gangster now. Marbles McCoy. Hey, she ain't Dick Tracy. <laughs> yeah, play with the marbles. You might get burned. All right, that doesn't well, make sense. <laughs> Why would you get burned by marbles? I'm just, I'm if just, you were Matches <laughs> McCoy, that would make sense. I'm just going to move on to the next paragraph. As for the rest <laughs> of the podcast... I didn't think anything new could be contributed to the now 14-year tradition of commentaries about how much the prequels sucked compared to the originals, but I was wrong. You guys were consistently funny where so many reviewers have descended into hyperbole and merely listing the beats of the plot in a disgusted voice. You stood out from the herd like a shot of a character the audience actually cares about, contrasted with one of the many computer-generated crowds cluttering the background of these damn prequels. Caroline, last name withheld. In the city. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you for writing. Thank you for writing we, and we for the We were pretty great talking about Star Wars. And for the correction, I will remember that it was Demosthenes until probably tomorrow. <laughs> That's and a I'm like, yeah, that thing Cicero did. <laughs> small victory. You push kids around the playground? Yeah. Can I make a small plug for a different podcast? The Cicero podcast? Yeah, Cicipod. <laughs> it's the Cicero house. <laughs> no, uh, just that I've been re-listening to a lot of Star Wars Minute episodes, and I want to recommend that to any Star Wars fans listening. Sure. Great show. Great podcast. Especially when we're on. Anyway, greetings, esteemed floppers. I recently had a somewhat confusing movie experience and was wondering if you could help me. It's called Last Year at Marion Van. <laughs> My problem is this. Last night, I watched the Twin Peaks slash Fire Walk With Me prequel, Sleepwalk With Me, starring Mike Birbiglia. <laughs> I kept on waiting for the big reveal, wherein it was disclosed that Mike was the host of an alien parasite, and that during his sleepwalking episodes, he was engaging in an alien feud spree of violent sexual deviance. But though I watched an entire movie, it never came. Additionally, there was nary a mention of Twin Peaks or the entity known as Bob. An added element of surreal, surreal, surreality. Surreality? Surreality? No, that's not it. Surreality. <laughs> Let's say surrealism. That's when you buy that house from House of Leaves. <laughs> was that the tone and atmosphere could not have been more different than other members of the franchise. 
At first, I was really frustrated that yet again many Twin Peaks questions had been left unanswered. However, the more I thought about it, it became clear that the director was doing a really thorough job of setting the table for an upcoming movie to take place chronologically after Sleepwalk with Me and before Firewalk with Me. Yeah, that Black Lodge has been on the market for a long time. <laughs> we just can't. We can't flip this place. The big revelation. We, we bought the place. We removed all the backwards talking midgets. We thought that would do it. It's right across the street from the White Lodge. Yeah. <laughs> We took up all that red and black linoleum and put in just a just some floor. shag Those carpeting. Those linoleum was right over hardwood floors. Why would they cover that up? Yeah. The big revelation of Mike's depravity was going to be incredibly powerful now that a whole movie was built him up as an earnest, fundamentally nice guy pursuing his dream. Immediately, I started daydreaming about casting the most important role. Obviously, a young Bob. A number of names flitted across the gaze of my mind's eye. James Franco, Taylor Lautner, etc., <laughs> then, with the force of a St. Bernard pouncing on Charles Grodin, it struck me. Beethoven? This is the Dan McCoy vehicle America has been begging for. Only Pervazoid number one has the strategic reserves of Perv to do this role justice. <laughs> I like the idea that this, it's the story of how Bob went from just ogling other men's wives' butts to possessing yeah. people and raping their daughters. Oh, boy. And murdering them. What do you think, Dan? Is this something you would consider? <laughs> Comedy podcast. Blames David Lynch, buddy. I didn't write Twin Peaks. <laughs> With a handful of TV acting credits under your belt, Spoiler I alert. know you must be casting about for a breakout role. Don't forget, the Twin Twin Peaks franchise did much to launch the star of David Duchovny, a star which continues and to Ray shine Wise. benevolently upon us to this day. Please consider it. Best regards, Ryan, last name with hell. Uh, I want, that was very funny, but I want to correct a misconception. Sleepwalk With Me is not a prequel to Firewalk With Me. It's a prequel to Inland Empire. Oh, okay. A different David Lynch movie. So, Jessica, you'll see a trend here. Dan reads letters that are Dan-centric. Yeah, The first okay. one was about how Elliot was wrong about You're right. Something. Yeah, you wrote, and you wrote one, you read one about how I was wrong, and you read one about oh, how you should be weird. a movie star. It's weird that you misspoke that yeah, he I wrote that one. letter. Yeah, interesting. Wait a minute. Yeah, I, maybe perhaps my misspeaking has led us to a... Real truth. That's right. I read like one you're about real how Cicero. I should be a movie star playing a force of evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're playing him before he becomes a force of evil. You're like Anakin. You're like he's saying you're the Hayden Christensen of the Twin Peaks franchise. Yeah, he's great. Right. Well, I'll start shattered Jake... glass and then not do anything else for it. Or maybe you're the Jake Lloyd of the program. Sure. Now this is my life racing. will be ruined by it. That's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, because he had a lot of potential. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> Jake he's... Lloyd, son of Christopher Lloyd, of course. Thank you for that letter. Moving on. He's what? Nothing. <laughs> Moving on. Any updates on Elliot's kick-started three-part documentary, Scatting with a Cat, Opposites <laughs> Attract and Attracting Opposites? We have yet to reach our goal. <laughs> I ask because at a recent trivia night in Brooklyn hosted by Elliot's nemesis, John Hodgman, he, su he expressed surprise and disbelief when an audience member informed him that MC Scat Cat was fully one-half Romney Malco for shame. Clearly, he is not the brainiac he holds himself out to be. Please do Mr. Hodgman and the world a service and release your sketchumentary as soon as possible. Also, why does Flintheart Glomgold have a Scottish accent if he's from South Africa? Shouldn't he have some sort of boorish inflection? Sincerely, Romney last name withheld. So it's Romney Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I uh, asked your Flintheart Glomgold question. I mean, uh, look question. at Sean Connery in uh, Highlander. He has a Scottish accent and he's from Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> We're Sean Connery uh, in The Untouchables. He's from Chicago and he has a Scottish accent. But also, you. Or you, Sean Connery in Robin and Marion. He's Robin Hood and he has a Scottish accent. If you look at uh, at the first appearance. Let's not forget of Outland. Flint. He's in Outer Space and he has a Scottish accent. If you look at the first appearance of Flintheart Glomgold uh, in Carl Barks' The Second Richest Duck, 
Uh, you see that he's wearing he for this a one. Scottish hat. <laughs> so one can only assume that Flintheart Glomgold, while I living mean, in Glomgold South Africa... Glomgold is a Scottish name. Yeah, yeah, he's an expatriate. I assume that he is a Scotland, Scottish guy who is unhappy that there was not enough racism in Scotland, mm-hmm. and so he moved to South Africa. He went there to exploit whatever he could. Because he is the eviler of he's the two greedy plutocrat <laughs> ducks. <laughs> yep. Um, he said, how do we make a hero out of a character whose main characteristic is greed? I guess we'll make the other guy a racist. <laughs> a racist duck. <laughs> so he's racist you really hate swans, he's I guess? Beagle Beagles. boys? Oh, okay. Yeah, the beagles are clearly the oppressed minority. Yeah. Okay. Do you know the, the ratio of beagles in jail to ducks in jail? It's appalling. <laughs> Juries are ten times as likely to send a beagle to jail Damn. than a duck. Well, they're doing Damn. it because it's just a lot easier to feed a bunch of beagles than beagles and ducks. Yeah. You know, if you only have to feed <laughs> one animal, because ducks don't eat they beagle bre- food. They eat bread. All you need is kibble and bread. In yeah, two it's well, it's hard. a lot cheaper to just serve kibble and not bread kibble and bread. Bread is incredibly cheap. You get stale bread too. Yeah, it doesn't have to be good bread. They're ducks. They're idiots. They don't know. They're, they're too busy ducks. chasing the almighty dollar to they're notice how they're my, my beagle racism is. <laughs> Look, you got to get. I'm going to introduce you to some beagles that are going to change your mind, <laughs> turn you around on things, scare me straight. Yeah, they're going to scare you, uh, beagley. <laughs> All right, so uh, we've got one last letter for the evening. Uh, it starts out: "I love you all, especially Dan." But you're ruining can my I life. Can I veto this letter? <laughs> <laughs> can I? Can I use my? Hear you, hear you. Can I be Hold the Soviet on. Union on the Security Hold Council on. and just veto it's this? It's barely about me. Can I be the Russian judge who gives a zero to this routine? <laughs> After repeated recommendations from my friend Cal, I finally got around to listening to Cal you all. Cal L. Superman. Sure. <laughs> or Cal Penn. I or fi- Cal L. Penn, who is Superman in the White Castle I movie. Finally got around to listening to you while on holiday this year. This led to the unedifying sight of my white and not-so-tight Irish frame wobbling incessantly as I guffawed my way through entire afternoons at the beach. My wife was understandably curious, so I played her an episode while we were drifting off to sleep. I'm guessing she didn't like it. Secure in the presumption that she would find Elliot's voice annoying, <laughs> Stuart's love of bizarre horror impenetrable, and the lack of respect afforded Dan generally mystifying. Not so much. She loved it. Oh. Renamed it the Floop Oop. She doesn't have an acquired brain injury. She's just Australian. I don't know how that's still... Australians still say things on. silly. Okay. You know what they call a car in Australia? A car? No, it's like a Kranga Oinga Boinga Dolk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you now know what they call a nose in Australia? What? It's like nose, but they say it funny. <laughs> sure. Noise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she now insists that we listen to it every night in bed. This means that until that's we manage to burn through your entire back catalog... The most fun I will have in our bedroom is regular dreams enlivened by twisted versions of Cats of Freaks, Invisible Maniacs, and Southern Bells reading Belgian cartoons. So this is really the cockblock house. Yeah. Her favorite part is bafflingly Elliot's mailbag tunes. It's her birthday soon. It is baffling, yeah. It's her birthday. It's baffling why that's not everybody's favorite part. (laughs) It's her birthday soon, the 12th of December, so this is a very late letter. (laughs) Thanks, Dan. I'm not reading it on time. So well, maybe we're almost a, in time for the next birthday. <laughs> maybe a brief <laughs> happy birthday song might sate her floop-oop appetite and help return our late-night routine to something approaching normality. Failing that, crank up, crank up the pervasoiding. Cramp up the pervasoiding. <laughs> so I can you want to stretch your pervasoid so it doesn't cramp up. Have some sweeter dreams. Yours in amused exhaustion, Patrick and Chrissy, last name withheld, Melbourne. Well, I'll say... Hey, Melbourne. 
Hey, Melbourne, it's your birthday today, or rather, one person in the city has their birthday today, and by today, I mean months ago. Happy birthday belated, because Dan didn't read the letter on time. I wish you could see Jessica's dancing, dancing, but you can't hear it, but it fits the song. You only get one birthday a year, but this year you get two. (laughs) The day we read the letter and the day you get older, two birthdays, da-da-da, boulder. Couldn't think of another word that rhymed with older. I guess we'll have to solder this together. When you read it, it rhymes. I guess what I'm saying is... Yeah, letter. Okay, works. Great, perfect. I guess what I'm saying is Chrissy... That was the name, right? Yeah. Chrissy, it's your birthday seven months ago. (laughs) Cha-cha-cha. Dan, Dan, have you gotten the spirit like that more often? You like the letter songs. Yeah, I guess so. Throw cha-cha-cha in every now and then. Um, so anyway, this is the last segment of the podcast where we recommend movies that we actually liked in contrast to movies like Three Days to Kill. Uh, Stu, I feel like you haven't gone first in a while. Why don't you take this one? Putting me in the hot seat. Mm-hmm. Sizzle. Uh, you're, you're, you're always in the hot seat. <laughs> what sizzling that. sounds? Uh, so I'm going to recommend a movie about a, uh, a bad dad <laughs> trying to get in touch with his it's daughter. Bad dad. His daughter. It's called playing for keeps. called getting even with dad. <laughs> Oh, King Lear. You guys I done? saw that movie. Oh, King Lear. Saw that movie in the theaters playing with getting him with dead. Oh, you King Lear instead of bad dad. Running a dungeon of stars. Zounds howl on a blasted heat. Um, I'm going to recommend a Steven Soderbergh movie called The Limey, about a bad dad played by Terrence Stamp, who is trying to get in touch with his daughter's killer. Mm. Uh, played by, uh, spoiler alert, Peter Fonda, who gives a great performance. Terrence Stamp's great. Peter Fonda's great. Uh, this was, I think, my first introduction to Steven Soderbergh movies, and I think it's a nice, slow, kind of patient movie. Um, it does some interesting stuff by using old footage from a early Terrence Stamp movie for flashbacks. Poor Cow, yeah. I think, right? Uh, poor Cow, exactly. Um, and I totally recommend it. So, limey. I'm not going to go too into detail because sure. I haven't seen it super recently. Uh, I would like to recommend a movie that I saw uh, this Monday. Um, when I saw it, it was a uh, advanced screening. Although because it was Transformers, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, because we are banking this ahead of time, since both Elliot and I will be out of town uh, in the next couple weeks. Uh, I believe that this movie will be out in general release by the time this goes into your ear holes. I, I saw a little and movie. Out some other holes. <laughs> called, I saw a movie called They Came Together uh, in a screening at BAM. And they, uh, they live together. It was nice because uh, st- uh, stars and director of the movie um, were there. Uh, David Wayne, uh, Amy Poehler, this is becoming Paul the new Rudd, Ellie Dan Kemper. recommendation okay. thing. Yeah. Where he Jason recommends Manzugas. movies where you see the uh, stars of the movie. Dan the used screen. to recommend movies on planes. Now he recommends <laughs> going to see screenings where the director and the stars. I've become more about. upscale. That's now. what I'm talking about. I'm proud of you, man. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you no, made it, a, bro. It's a very, <laughs> it's a very funny movie, though. It's a very, it's um, you know, uh, we don't know. Tell us. My, it's written by Wayne and Showalter, uh, who 
previously collaborated on Wet Hot American Summer. This is not... And the state. Yes. This is not as funny as Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> um, Guarded recommendation. Not no, as well, funny not, as like, Wet Hot American qualified. Summer. Qualified. Raves Dan McCoy. Well, I mean, like that's, a pr- <laughs> like, that's a pretty high standard to that's live a, up to. It's a like, that's a very yeah. funny movie. I'm I'm just saying that to keep people's expectations at a reasonable level. But it's letter, funnier level. than the Baxter. Yes, you know it's a very funny movie. It's it has a lot of the red hot, wet hot American summer feel. It has oddly kind of like a lot of the um, early Zucker Brothers feel. Like it, it it combines kind of that state humor with that uh, airplane style humor. Um, it's a spoof of romantic comedies. It's maybe at its most facile when it's just like calling out the tropes of of, uh, of romantic comedies. There are parts of the movie where they're just like literally stating like I'm the guy who does this thing and this thing like and it's just like all right, well this is kind of funny because like you got funny people saying these lines, but it's a little easy what you're doing. But <laughs> are you recommending this movie? No, no, no. I'm just saying that, like that's like the weakest part of it. But for the most part, one and a half stars. For the most part, <laughs> it's a lot cleverer than that, and a lot sharper, and a lot funnier. Better like, than getting eaten by a shark, says Dan McCoy. Wow. I cannot. Like this is the problem with the internet. Like where you can't give like a nuanced uh, review of something where you, like you have to say say Take something it easy, rocks or it sucks. And well, I'm just I saying. Think, I'm just saying you should lead with the strengths. I, I felt like I did. It's a very funny movie. And I just like giving you shit. Oh. Oh, that's my main thing, too. Okay. Uh, point is, go see it. You'll get a lot of laughs. It's a lot funnier than pretty much, I guarantee, any other comedy you're going to see this year. Yeah. And I feel um, like comedies are often, they often take a beating from the critics. Yeah. And it's kind of difficult to read a critical review of a comedy and know for sure whether or not you'll actually enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. I'm saying this is not flawless. It does not live up to the Wet Hot American Summer standard, but it is really funny, so you should go see it. And what's it called? They Came Together? They Came Together. Uh, Jess, do you have something you want to recommend? I do, actually. Um, I saw a few weeks ago, I saw the movie Obvious Child um, at a somewhat intimate screening. I know like we're all talking about screenings and stuff. I'm just a turd. It wasn't. No, it was was not. but uh, it is starring Jenny Slate. Um, of Gab- Chipwrecked. <laughs> Jenny sure. Slate. Of Slate.com. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> of, of the Slate Empire, the Slate.com yeah. family empire. Of Mr. Slate, Fred Flintstone's <laughs> boss. It is starring Inventor her. Inventor of the chalkboard. Sure, sure, sure. Um, it, is the, it is starring her of the uh, Slay Your Name in an Audition thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but it was it was really amazing. Uh, Gabby Hoffman's in it, um, David Cross, Jake Lacey. Um, it was directed and um, I think written by. I'm confirming. Yeah, it was directed and written by Gillian Robespierre, and I don't know if I'm if it's Gillian or Jillian. Um, I couldn't figure that out. But the movie. You said both. I, yeah, either way, bases. I hope that I'm, my I bases mean, are an covered. Amazing, it's an amazing debut from someone so intimately involved in the French Revolution, <laughs> Robespierre. I, uh, this, this is totally name-dropping, but uh. apparently uh, our mutual friend, Elliot... Um, no, no, I'm me. I'm not your mutual friend. <laughs> uh, I don't Ur- even like me. Ursula Lawrence of the Writers Guild was in the original short that this movie oh. then was like based off of. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Some well, good was, name she, was she the lead? I have no part. idea. Okay. Okay, great. Um, no, well, here's Was just... she the masked wrestler in the uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. show? <laughs> <laughs> um, just here's what I liked about it. Um, it felt very, 
kind of realistic to me, and, and Jenny Slate is delightful and charming. Um, everything is kind of written really well and very naturalistic, and it makes it watching it made me realize how much I watch so many things that's supposed to depict what it means to be kind of a young adult in a very glossed way. Like it was just so delightful and charming, and it kind of did a really cool job of addressing abortion without making it seem like it was this. It was like the huge fucking big deal of the movie. It was it was sort of more around this choice of a woman's right to choose in a very subtle and cool way. And I just I thought it was so delightful and charming and like it, everybody showed up and just acted the shit out of it. Killed it. Really nice. Yeah. I want to see that. Yeah, it was it was actually really it was really fantastic. So a wholehearted recommendation, a partial recommendation, no, and an old timey movie. <laughs> I kind of remember. Okay, <laughs> Speaking of old-timey movies, it's time for Elliot to recommend his stuff. Now, Dan forwarded me an email from, uh, I'm forgetting the name, I think his name was Josiah, from a guy who said that uh, in my recommendations, I had not been recommending any Edward G. Robinson movies, even though I've been doing lots of old-time movies. So you know what? I'll rectify that tonight. I'll recommend two Edward G. Robinson movies real quick. Uh, Out of the Kalen crypt. My two favorites, which are surprisingly, neither of them is he playing a gangster, even though it's what he kind of did best. But I'd like to recommend, I think my favorite... Edward G. Robinson movie, and then... No, they're tied to my favorite. A movie called The Sea Wolf, based on the Jack London novel, where Edward G. Robinson plays the captain, Wolf Larson, of a ship of the damned, if you will. A bunch of people from San Francisco around the turn of the century are kidnapped and forced to work in his ship, and he believes wholeheartedly in John Milton's phrase, better to rule in hell than serve in heaven. Mm. And so he wants to be the master of this hell ship, and he won't brook any dissent. Uh, And it's a great portrait of a man who is basically evil but not without his sympathetic moments uh, and it's a really crackling suspense thrillery type thing about people trapped on a ship and they've got to escape on the other side of the ledger the heath ledger of edward g <laughs> robinson playing a heroic character there's five star final an early talkie from 1931 where edward g robinson is the editor of a newspaper that so in order to goose its sales decides to dig up an old murder trial from many years before and find the people who were in, the lovers who were involved and ends up ruining a number of lives as a result of digging up this old case and boris karloff is in it and he's fantastic in a very funny role as a former seminary student who's now a really slimy reporter uh, Aileen McMahon, who's a crush of mine, is plays Edward G. Robinson's secretary, who secretly has a crush on him. And it's a, one of these movies that's just like a little slow at times because it's 1931, but is a really otherwise tight, you know, like hour and 15, hour and a half minute movie uh, that has a lot of characters running around and doing 30s stuff and just being dramatic and neat. So The Seawolf and Five Star Final. Two, I think my favorite two, Edward G. Robinson movies. So that's five movies to watch before we meet up next time, okay, everybody? Yeah, you yeah. got to get you ready. That for is homework. your homework. Yes. Meet up here at the exact same time uh, in in five weeks. And if we're not married, we're getting married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'd like to thank uh, Jessica Williams for being here, uh, even though Yay. I have a cat. And she's deathly allergic to them. <laughs> she's dead now. She's sniffling more and more <laughs> the longer she's in my apartment. So we should probably wrap things up. I think we should. And so, for the ending, good night, Chrissy and Patrick, lying in bed, listening <laughs> to the Flophouse in Melbourne. Do it. 
do it with each other. <laughs> time to go to sleep. Time to close your eyes and drift off to dreamland. But before that, do it with each other. <laughs> a loving couple curled up in a non-sexual way <laughs> and going to sleep. Go down on each other. <laughs> Chrissy and Patrick, good night. Good night. Fuck fest. <laughs> so for the flop house, who are you? I've been Dan McCoy. I'm glad we ended on a PG note. <laughs> and I've been Elliot Kalen. And <laughs> no, you're not. You're Stuart Wellington. And this is Jessica Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Oh my but gosh, that scared me. Come it on. does not cut through the fucking like we're not, chaff we're not the way really that this asshole does. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh my gosh. Yeah, we can start recording. Or is this you just... met... Oh, you're not recording? I have met Are we just going to do Jessica's voice and close it? I'm good. Nice to see you. I, I never know if I'm going to. Like, I love your room, by the way. It's beautiful. I don't care for it. You look nice today, by the way. Have you been working out? Here a little bit. Classic Stewart.